You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm back in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 1st, episode 3110, brought to you today by State Line Tech. Good morning, horse people. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. We have a fun show planned for you today. We're going to talk about homesteading. And we've had Angela on before, but she came out with a new book. And I've had a couple of you ask about homesteading. And she has a new book on how to create a thriving homestead. So we're going to talk about what that is. I think she had Clydesdales, if I remember right. So we'll ask her if she's still using the Clydesdales around the homestead. We're also going to hear from PS of Sweden. It's a company I found at at Ada. And also, I have a simple recipe for you that could be good for the Super Bowl. And Jamie, you have weird news? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, figured, I figured it <laughs> yes, was a loss. And we have no idea what we're doing in the post show, but we'll do one of those. Hey, I went down a rabbit hole this morning. I found an article on horses' hearts, and that got me to thinking about other animals' hearts. And then I went down this rabbit hole. So you want to hear some heart talk? So this is a Wednesday Maybe. morning heart talk here. So would you have a guess of what animal has the largest heart? Uh, an elephant. You are correct. Partly correct. An elephant has the largest heart on land, but it's not the animal with the largest heart. So an elephant, an African elephant has a heart that weighs 26 to 46 pounds. So that's pretty good size, 50-pound heart, right? Yeah. Uh, but the blue whale has that beat. Oh, I didn't think ocean. Yeah. So the blue whale is the largest animal to have ever lived. Uh, and the blue whale's heart, get this, is... I the megalodon was bigger than the blue whale. I don't know. That's what they're saying. I'm just, I don't know that they're counting dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> it says to have ever lived. That's a lie. The megalodon. We had a weird news story about it last week. <laughs> a blue whale's heart is five feet long, four feet wide, and five feet tall. How tall wow. are you? Five, five feet tall. <laughs> yeah. The heart is as tall as you are. It weighs 400 pounds. Well, I'm glad I don't weigh 400 pounds at five feet tall. <laughs> it's estimated that the blue whale's supersized heart can pump 58 gallons of blood with each heartbeat. Oh, wow. So think about that. That's a lot of blood. That's one big animal. Uh, we saw, it made me think about this as we, we, one of the YouTube couples we follow did a uh, dive with killer whales in Antarctica. And uh, so that was that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, so big hearts. The ho average horse's heart weighs eight to ten pounds and pumps seven to ten gallons of uh, a minute. So, I, you know, of course, we all talk about secretariat. Secretariat's heart weighed between twenty-one and twenty-two pounds, so it was double the size of an average horse heart, uh, and was one of the largest ever seen in a horse. Apparently, wow. still to this day. 
So the smallest heart is said to be the insect called the fairy fly. So it's a type of wasp that's less than two millimeters long, and you need a microscope to see its heart. But apparently it has one. Less than point two, two millimeters. Yeah, po- oh, I'm sorry, point two millimeters long. Yeah, tiny, tiny. Wow. A hummingbird's heart rate can reach up to a thousand beats per minute. And giraffes have the highest blood pressure of any mammal, measuring 280 over 180. Well, they got to work hard to pump enough that's up right. the neck All the to the brain. Up the neck. That's what I thought of, too. <laughs> so there you go. There's my heart talk for a Wednesday. Fascinating. Yeah. So there you go. Now you can go to the next party, the, the Super Bowl party, and you can all impress your friends with heart talk. Here. Did you know that the fairy fly's uh, <laughs> heart is only... A- Visible under a microscope. Oh, you you know, know what? Lead with that in conversation, especially if you're on a first date. Yeah, That'll go, exactly. see how that goes. You know, there's always one of those guys at a party too, that that will open with that. I have auditor birthdays today, but it's just first names because you all had hard last names and I'm not going to do them. So happy (laughs) birthday to Patty, Pernilla, Doreen, and Isabeau. Happy birthday to all of you. We hope you thoroughly enjoy your birthday. And also, I wanted to mention to auditors, I reposted today how you can listen to the post show. So go to the HRN auditor room and look in there and the instructions are in there. And I also sent it out to all the auditors through Patreon email. So you should have an email explaining it too. So if you've been missing the post show and you want to do the post show the instructions are out today again so i'm gonna try and post those on a more regular basis well you know i was just at monty's at flag is up farm in california and we were making a lot of plans for the movement which is going to be june 16th through the 18th it's a lot of horse training it's monty roberts and myself which is just crazy to be in the same sentence as that and and we're gonna work some horses and gentle some mustangs and restart off the track thoroughbreds and have a lot of talks and everything but last year we had a concert glenn do you remember who headlined the concert wasn't templeton there it was templeton thompson now I'm going to give you guys a little heads up this year. I'm trying to get another concert in and I'm trying to him yet? and they have agreed, yeah. but oh. details are still in the works. Okay. okay. So this is not confirmed, but there is a chance that Jared Rogerson will be coming to the movement <laughs> and doing a concert. <laughs> you met him in person. I've never met him in person. Oh my gosh, she's the cutest thing ever. Yeah, so um, Jared Rogerson may be coming. Uh, we're, we're try- like, he's agreed. Uh, well, he's excited about it. I'm excited about it. I've sent it all to Debbie. It's just getting details worked out and to see if it's going to happen. But I was like, we have to have another concert. And she was like, well, what do you think about Templeton? I was like, we had Templeton last year. How about we have Jared Rogerson? She's like, oh, if only we could get him. And I was like, I know him. <laughs> I can just send him a facebook message (laughs) he's probably been a guest that's been on our show more than anybody else yes i wish i wonder if we could play a jared song today he's so great anyway just released all this new music and he's touring a lot so i there's a tentative conflict but we're trying to work through it and uh i'm i'm so so excited 
That would be so fun. I've never seen him play. I've just, you know, we had lunch, but I've never seen him play. And it would have been weird if I was like, hey, at lunch, could you please bring your guitar and play some songs? Uh, <laughs> so I didn't do that. Uh, but yeah, that that we're working on that. So the June 16th through the 18th, if you are a Horse Radio Network listener or an auditor, you get pre-sale. It's cheaper than last year. I mean, th- this is like, we're, we're it's practically free. So you should come. And I definitely will be coming. I have it on the calendar. Last year Yay! I got COVID. So uh, last year Jennifer went, uh, but I could not go. And I missed the Templeton concert and all of that. So I'm excited that Jared's possibly coming because, I, I, you know, we've had him on so much. We spend a lot of time with Jared on this show. I know. Listening to his music. And I'll, I'll see if I can dig up a Jared song and maybe we'll play the show out with one. Oh, you got to play it out with peace, love, and horses. Yeah, we can I mean, do that. I know I have that one floating around, so we'll, we'll definitely do that. Hey, well, that's very exciting news. Now, is, has it been announced where they can get tickets yet, or can they get tickets yet? Do you know? Um, all of that is still Depending. in the works. But I do know the auditors are going to get first shot, right? Yes, yes. first shot and uh, a, a discount and. Uh, Horse Radio Network listeners get a discount, and so it's like I said, it's it's like it's free, it's, so you should come. So it's basically turning into a big uh, HRN horses in the morning party. I would like to think so. <laughs> I I would that'd be awesome. But yeah, so but this year what we did is you know last year it started on Friday morning, which meant people had to travel in on Thursday and get an extra night at a hotel. Well, this time. We're doing it. We're starting after lunch on Friday. So you have time to travel on Friday morning. So you don't have, you know, I'm like, how can we make this more cost effective for people that are coming? Because a lot of people flew from across the country. So uh, that was kind of my idea this time and, and our, our idea. So we're going to, we're going to do that and it's going to be action packed. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in, but it's going to be awesome. So it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Is that yeah, so day? half a day Sunday. So you can also leave Saturday afternoon okay. or Sunday afternoon. All right. Um, or you can stay because we're going to do some stuff after lunch that people can stay or go. Whatever you want to do. I don't know. It's all in the work still. But I am just wanted to tell you guys how to might have it here. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. So a painting from Napoleon's famous battle charger, Marengo, his famous horse. This painting was actually painted in the stallion's lifetime. So it was painted by James Ward in 1829. And on January 25th, it was sold at Christie's in New York. So they estimated that this painting of uh, Napoleon's horse would sell for between two hundred fifty and 350000 And it did. So it was only the third time that this painting has been offered at public auction. And it sold for $289,800. And I'm sure it's hanging on your wall right now above your desk. Obviously. I, I, you know, it's funny. I found a story. I was researching for weird news. And there just wasn't enough details. But it was basically in upstate New York. This guy found a painting in a barn. Which oh, it had, I saw that one, the $600 painting. Yeah, it had bird poop all over it. And But he saw this painting and he was like, I need to buy that. And he bought it for $600. Okay. What I don't understand is who sells bird poop covered paintings for $600? Yeah, I would have been like six bucks. I'll take <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But anyway, he bought the piece and it just sold for $3 million. Did it this, still have the bird poop or did he clean it up? Uh, it, what he does, I think it says he restores. Oh, he's a yeah, right, right. he he oh, finds so he them and restores he, he knew them. What he was looking at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, the, uh, you know, if you're 
going through somebody's trash in their barn and you find a painting, $600 seems like a lot. Yeah, so does. somebody knew it was, you know, it wasn't like a, oh, I found it at Goodwill. That's really pissed now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they were like, we got 600 bucks. What an idiot. Now yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. But how did, how did they find it? There's just more questions than answered. But I saw the painting. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. I just saw the headline. It is what they're saying is it's probably it was it was a painting that was done with a model and so it was done in like the 1600s okay 1615ish and it is a picture of a man a uh, old man with a beard sitting on a stool and he must have just been posing for a painting completely naked <laughs> And nobody wants, somebody paid $3 million for a, I don't care when it was made, but $3 million for a picture of an old man sitting naked on a stool. It's impressive. <laughs> it's not impressive. We've all seen the naked women paintings. So I don't think I've ever seen a naked man They're on like, a stool. We're going to mix it up today, class. <laughs> Enter the model. <laughs> He's probably some famous duke or something. Well, you know, we're going to strip it down, literally. <laughs> That's need you to get naked. <laughs> Three million bucks. Yep, the person that sold that's now suing the guy who bought it. <laughs> yeah. For Moral. half of it. All right, let's uh, change gears a little bit from paintings to homesteading. And uh, we have an expert at homesteading. We have Angela Ferrero Fanning coming on. She just did a book called Create a Thriving, or The Sustainable Homestead is what the book is called, to create a thriving permaculture ecosystem with your garden, animals, and land. I can't do this because I didn't understand half the words in the title of the book. <laughs> so I think I do need the book to figure out how to do this. But I know there's a lot more people looking into homesteading than ever before. And I know she, when she was on before, she talked about using some horses. So let's get her on and find out all about the book. Hi, Angela. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Remind everybody where you're located. I'm actually in central New Jersey, That's just right. about an hour from New York. Oh, I remember us making endless fun of you for homesteading in New Jersey. I, I remember. You know what? I get it. I, I, I'm very calloused at this point. It's common, Glenn. <laughs> I'm surprised you came back, actually, because I do remember making fun of you about that. <laughs> so, I'm a good sport. <laughs> yes, you are. Thank you for coming back. So you had Clydesdales. Sure. Do you still have the Clydesdales? Absolutely. They are probably uh, one of the most pivotal inhabitants here on the homestead for what we do. So I know they provide fertilizer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Plenty of that. Lots of fertilizer. So why are they mm -hmm. pivotal? Pivotal, whatever you just said. So I think when people look at my farmer homestead from the outside, they think that I'm just the hoarder of a bunch of different cute animal species. But the <laughs> truth is... That every animal and even plants that I bring here all serves a purpose. And the Clydesdales are so helpful, not just from massive amounts of manure that can be composted into fertilizer, but I use my Clydesdales for what they're bred to do, which is to pull. So I'm a no-till farmer, which means I don't have them pull things that tear up the earth. Instead, um, they carry loads for me. They bring in harvests for me. You know, I do ride them, but really they're, they're the strength that I don't have. And so they are hugely helpful. And then they are part of my rotational grazing circuit. I'm trying to regenerate my pastures. And most people don't realize that if you keep sheep and horses together in some sort of a rotational grazing circuit, 
they ingest each other's parasites to keep each other healthy. So it reduces your deworming. Really? So they have all kinds of jobs. Yeah. I didn't know that. Huh. So I taught you something new. I know. I, I always, <laughs> we always learn something when we talk to you. So what would you say is the technical definition of a homestead? What makes it a homestead? Well, I mean, honestly, it's just the mindset. I always tell people it doesn't matter, honestly, if you live in a high-rise apartment or if you live on a thousand acres. What it is is really just this idea of living a lifestyle that's more in alignment with the seasons and trying to get back to some of the some of some of the simpler tasks. You know, you're maybe making some of your own clothes. And if that's not your thing, maybe you're canning produce that you might have grown or are getting at a farmer's market or a CSA share. You're just trying to kind of tap in to nature and living with what each of the seasons brings. You don't have to have a ton of animals. So Jamie and I are notoriously not good at growing things that you can actually eat. Um, (laughs) Although, Jamie, you had, did you ever get the huge pumpkins that you were? So um, what I did was at the end of the holiday season, uh, it was a uh, Halloween. I had a big pumpkin and I also had, you know, like I, I bought some decorative gourds and all this weird stuff, but I had this huge pumpkin and I took it out and I put it in my manure pile. And then, mm-hmm. um, so I was planting my little herb garden, which only one thing out of the 10 actually grew. And uh, so I have this herb garden and I gone and scooped up a bunch of manure from my manure pile and put it as the manure for my little herb garden. And lo and behold, this pumpkin plant starts growing. So it was like the seeds from two years ago germinated and this huge, ginormous pumpkin plant like overtook my backyard one plant and it was probably like 10, 20 square feet. It was huge. And so then they start growing the fruit. And I was like, oh, here it comes. I'm going to I'm going to be selling <laughs> pumpkins by the side of the road. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have so much pumpkin. Okay. I'm going to can pumpkins to be awesome. I love pumpkin seeds. And then gourds grew. <laughs> oh. So. I had no idea that I had even put the gourds in the manure pile. And I was so disappointed because then I got worthless gourds, bird cat. I think they're called bird house gourds. And they literally do okay. nothing. <laughs> well, did you make bird houses? Yeah. <laughs> I'm having I, my doubts there. You know Angela. what? It takes six months to a year to cure them. So they're currently sitting yeah. in my garage. <laughs> okay, good job. You're on step one. That's good. <laughs> So, so what do you, if somebody's, and we've had people saying we have to talk more about homesteading, so I'm glad you're on. So I know (laughs) part of the book is, you know, if you're looking for a property, what should you look for if you're actually looking for homesteading property, where you're going to do, let's say 80% of, you know, the, the planting and everything else in a homesteading fashion, what do you look for? So first of all, well, you kind of have to go into buying a plot of land, knowing a roughly speaking, how long you want to be there. And two, roughly speaking, what you want to do with the space. If you don't want to grow crops, you aren't necessarily going to worry about getting land that's fertile. Maybe you can purchase a piece of land at a cheaper cost that has rockier soil, doesn't drain well. So it kind of depends on your intention. If you want space to have chickens to start, but no, like me, maybe eventually you're going to have Clydesdales or want to grow food forests. Keep that in the back of your head because it is really easy to outgrow something quickly when you start homesteading. And there's all things I, you know, I talk about in this book about growing plants upwards and not so much outwards and growing vertically and how to kind of maximize your space. But really, 
just have a loose plan. That's the best advice that I can give. And then once you have that in place, then you can look at, okay, does it have water? Where do I need to get water to go on the site? Does it have outbuildings? Then you can look at more of the logistics. So what do you, what's your most successful thing you think you do at the homestead? I wasn't prepared for that question. I know, that's why I asked it. <laughs> What are you worst at? Um, yeah, what, what are you that? good at? What are you worst at? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, what am I best at? I think I've gotten to a point um, through a lot of studying and talking to mentors where everything has a function now. So I don't really have any wasted... I don't, I don't have any freeloaders except the golden retriever, right? <laughs> everybody, everybody is contributing. Everybody is earning their keep. And it's really cool because it creates this almost automated system where I'm pretty hands off at this point, other than, you know, hooking up the horses and taking them out to work, pulling a harvest. Everything is kind of just doing its own thing, which is really fascinating and, and rewarding to be the instigator of an ecosystem. But give me some examples, though. Well, you know, I mentioned that the sheep and the horses, right? When they graze, they're keeping each other healthy. So that's mm -hmm. less deworming for me. Yeah. Um, I'm really into growing perennials. These are plants that come back every year. People don't realize that, you know, because at the grocery store, we don't see perennial broccoli. We see broccoli that you would get and plant in an annual garden. But there are so many things that come back every single year that you don't have to replant or spend costs up front to buy the seeds. You know, so this is a huge savings for me, time, energy, everything. And harvests get bigger every single year. So that's kind of automated. Um, you know, when I when I scoop the manure, obviously I'm throwing it into the compost heap. That does its thing. I start a new heap. That does its thing. So it it becomes more me as the facilitator. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So if you were going to name all the different kinds of animals you have, go through the list. Do I get to skip that what I'm worse that question? I just want to make sure. Uh, it, it, are, no. No. I want to know if you're a real human. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was going to say that. I am a real human. I'm really bad at not picking my vegetables until they're ready. I hate waiting. I'm the person who gives the Christmas presents like two weeks before Christmas because I have to think of an excuse to give it to the person. So when it comes to growing crops, I absolutely want to pick them ASAP. I don't think I've ever left a berry on the vine until it's absolutely fully ripened. I want to eat it now. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Um, what, what did you ask, Glenn? What all animals do I yeah, have? Yeah, yeah. you said? So you go through the animals. Go through the list. Okay. So let's think about the garden, my food forest, as the epicenter. So I mentioned that I have the horses, right? And they're sort of pulling things. They're bringing in harvests for me. They contribute um, compost through their manure. So then I have the sheep. We have a lot of grassy areas on the property. So sheep are perfect. If I had brambly bushes and barberry, goats would be a better fit, but that's not what I have. I have pictures of my sheep actually going through some of my food forest areas and grazing the grass in between the rows of broccoli and cauliflower. So it's all about knowing the preferred forage type. The, the sheep don't want to eat the cauliflower and the broccoli as long as there's grass there. So they do my weeding for me. And then I have ducks and geese come through. Any leaves that are left behind by the other animals in my pastures, the geese are going to eat. But also they're going to eat around my fence posts. And then in the garden, I bring in the ducks. And they love snails. They love slugs. They go into the garden. They pick those all off for me. Sure, I get a few trampled plants. But I plant enough that one or two casualties isn't the end of the world. And I also don't turn them into the garden until the plants are well-established. So it's kind of knowing some of those nuances to make it a success. 
And then we have guineas on the property. After I had a terrible bout of Lyme disease and my dogs got Lyme disease, the guineas, yes, they are noisy, but they eat every single tick. And I really haven't seen one since. So everybody's got a job. And then we've got livestock guardian dogs to sort of keep this whole ecosystem of animals protected. Because I do believe in inviting wildlife in and, and benefiting from all of their jobs. But I need to keep my ducks especially safe at the same time. You, so the livestock guardian dogs do that. Do you have chickens? No, I don't. I don't like chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie just had a heart attack. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you Jamie. know what? I'm sorry. That's okay. Because I, you lost me at guineas. Sorry. <laughs> That's just the worst. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you, you hate the guineas? Oh, geez. They, I, they, they just never shut up. And somebody said they're when they get loud, it's because they're alerting you to a predator. And I was like, they're alerting me to me. I'm the predator. Yeah, totally. like, I'm not. All the time. They just they're if like, they oh, was, my God, here she comes. Oh, it was so was annoying. One, one farm animal had to be classified as a total creeper. It's a guinea because I can't <laughs> go in my house without them tapping on my windows. Oh my God. They follow me throughout the house. So every time I go to the bathroom, I got to close the curtains because the guineas are outside. <laughs> That's funny. So why don't you have chickens? I was thinking okay. when you said you let your animals in to where the crops are, I was like, yeah, well, you must not have chickens because they peck. They're like, right. oh, it's a big, beautiful tomato. Let me peck the center of it and then walk away. So... Yeah, the thing the the first thing is their 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 feet tend to do they're pretty destructive, right? I don't want them going through my grazing spaces and sort of scratching up for insects, which I appreciate that that's very useful, but I'd rather have the webbed foot of a duck because I want to keep my forage as intact as possible yeah. for the horses Chickens to graze and the sheep. Things. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but uh also the spur the roosters, the spurs, the fact that if you don't have a rooster, a female can grow spurs freaks me out. I'm not okay with it. I'm not going to have it. <laughs> so there's no I mean, don't worry about the, the guineas about that, that, don't worry about the guineas that look like dinosaurs or the geese that will murder you. Any of that. Just right. don't, by God, have a female chicken with a spur. <laughs> That's weird. I'm sorry. It's just weird. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So what else will people learn if they get the Sustainable Homestead book? I think that what I'm out, what, I, what I'm trying to do is share that there are ways to grow food, raise animals in alignment with nature. So there's a lot of info about sustainability practices, permaculture practices, regenerative farming. And it's just about trying to give as much back to the land and to plants and foster, you know, our spaces for future generations. It's like land stewardship. And I'm trying to provide that information and show that we can we can harvest food. We can be happy. We can eat all the things we're eating now. We just have to think about the ways that we're homesteading and farming a little differently. And these practices are not new. They have been around for generations in all different cultures all over the world. Um, but it's starting to finally gain a little bit more traction in the United States. And it's really worked well for us here. And so I'm just trying to share that knowledge that I had to go out and find and make it a little bit more accessible for people. Can I, can I ask one question? I, I'm in Oklahoma and we're in the midst of like snow and ice storms and it's just yeah. it halts everything and you're yeah. in new jersey with all of this like how is how do you survive the winter up there i mean it's got to be intense well a lot well okay so first things whether or not you believe in climate change is a totally separate conversation 
But our landscapes are sort of starting to change, right? We are having weather patterns that are different and crops aren't always doing maybe as well as they have in the past. And you can attribute that to whatever you like. But when we start getting into more sustainable ways of growing things through soil health, choosing the correct crops and plants, having animals to return nutrients to the soil through manure, that there's a whole cycle there. When we do all of these things, we create resilient land. Our crops are going to be able to weather harsher, more drastic weather conditions. We're going to be able to not have food shortages. And so, yeah, I'm in New Jersey. It's incredibly wet here. Um, but there's ways to work with your landscape to sort of create swales or find ways to make water flow a little bit differently or catch it and reserve it for our dry seasons. You yes, know, but you're floods. still having to go break ice buckets in the snow, <laughs> blanket horses. I mean, it's got to be got to be tougher. You know, it's actually not that snowy here in New Jersey, but I understand what you say for people who are in a, a more northern area. Mm. But I mean, there's farms everywhere right? There's farms up in Saskatchewan and it's just part of life. It's just part of the cycle of the seasons. Okay, fine. You make things sound so easy. She wanted the magic answer and you didn't give it to her. Fix my <laughs> world. <laughs> I do I do believe, I mean, if you want to get into a technical tidbit, yeah, I use stock tank heaters, but my stock tanks are outside, not in the barn because that would be bad. Gotcha. So I don't have to, I don't have to crack any ice. Okay, good. All right. Well, Angela, is that is that what you're looking for? (laughs) 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 Now, in addition to the book, it's a new book out called "The Sustainable Homestead." Where can they buy that? First of all, okay. So, the Sustainable Homestead releases March 28th. It's available for the lowest price guarantee on Amazon right now. After March 28th, it'll be available anywhere you can typically get books. All right, and we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. You can order it now, and it'll be shipped in March. You also do a podcast. Is that new since we talked last? No. So uh, Homestead Education is the podcast that I have with a a co-host, and we just share uh, all facets of homesteading from, you know, talking about the things that maybe people don't really want to talk about, more of the life, emotion, mental tools that it might take, all the way to you know, logistics, technical resource type information, like how to grow broccoli. And so that's, that's been around for, we're on season four. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think people think of homesteading and like anything else that you Mm -hmm. don't do on a regular basis, it seems all glamorous, right? You know, you go Mm -hmm. to the Renaissance fair and you're not smelling people the way they actually smelled back then. So you, you know, it's all this mythical, you know, it's a, a wonderful thing, but homesteading's hard work. Yeah, I, it, it's not easy. I think if it was, everyone would do it. Right. I, I agree with you. And I think that's the part, though, that, you know, it sounds all all glamorous and fun and, you know, all of that. But uh, it is hard work. I mean, you, what, what you're is. doing is hard work. Thank you. It is hard work. But you know what? I think if I wasn't doing it, well, when I didn't do it, I felt checked out with regards to Mother Nature. Right. Like I read about how nice the weather was on my phone as opposed to being outside. Mm. And feeling how nice it was or how crappy it was. I mean, it didn't matter if it was sleeting or total sun. Like there's something just about getting outside, getting off of a screen and like immersing yourself in something that's real that I just, I just really need that to be a part of my daily life. If that makes that, sense. Th- that's why people have horses that listen to the show. Exactly what you said. Yeah. I just love getting outside and just checking in with the, the earth, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nicole. Well, for sure. Angela, thanks a bunch. It's called Homestead Education, which is a tongue twister. Homestead Education, <laughs> you can find it on any podcast player. And uh, yeah, I'm looking. You 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 have a ton of episodes here. So if you if everybody wants to go check it out, you can find it on any podcast player. I love your uh your podcast logo, by the way. That's a great logo. Uh, oh, and, thank you. And uh, you can go to Amazon. We'll put a link in there to find the book as well. I hope you come back again. Let's let's get you back in the middle of summer when you're all sweat, hot and sweaty and doing uh, planting. <laughs> so. Okay, I'll come in and I'll take a breather. That sounds amazing. I would love to come back. All right. Thanks, Angela. Well, I love Angela. She's terrific. We're definitely going to have her back and uh, check out her show. I have listened to a couple episodes of that in the past. Right now, the Winter Superstore is open over at State Line Tech. Head on over there, click the huge banner at the top of the page, and the final days of the winter sale are going on. This is blankets and boots and riding insulated riding pants, uh, water heaters, all kinds of stuff. Anything to do with winter. Uh, a lot of it's on sale right now. They do have limited quantities. I'm seeing only one left in stock on a lot of different items, so you're going to want to head on over there today. But there's 10 pages of stuff. And this includes name brand things, and I'm um, seeing things here marked 37, 50% off, 60% off. But again, quantities are limited. You're going to want to head on over there today to check it out. They have a lot of the oak uh, winter clothes and things like that that they're now closing out, and a ton of different blankets. Uh, and tall boots, too. They have the uh, Tough Rider boots, they have Dublin boots, uh, the Dublin uh, winter boots. Some of those are on sale right now. So statelinetech.com is where you want to go to pick up any of the winter items that either wore out already or you know are going to wear out before winter's over. I'm buying boots for next year right now. Sorry. There you go. Because you know what? It's going to snow again next year. The Weatherbeat Comfortec combo neck and the heavy is $88? No, that can't be. Now you have to see if they have your size. That's going to be the key. Because, again, items are running out. You want to get over there today. This WISA update is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. I walked by a booth called PS of Sweden when I was at WISA or ADA, and I had to talk to David because they had some of the most beautiful stuff. And we have Swedish listeners, so that was the other reason I did it. Well, I'm walking by a booth, and I saw the name P.S. of Sweden, and I thought, I don't know that I've ever talked to a Swedish company in the 30 years I've been doing this. So David is here from P.S. of Sweden. What is P.S. of Sweden? P.S. of Sweden is a luxury European uh, bridal maker. We also make rider apparel and horseware. Well, so tell us, what, what do you have in your line? What's, what are the highlights? The highlights are mainly our, our bridles. Our, our, leather, our leather work is what we were originally known for. We were one of the first um, developers of anatomical bridles. So we've been a, a continual innovator in that. We have a, a full line of bridles from dressage to jumpers, and now we also have the hunters. And then we've expanded into rider apparel, um, saddle pads, uh, polos, fly I see bonnets. boots, yeah. Yeah, boots here as well. Yes. So I'm looking at your clothing over here, and one of the things that caught my eye was you have riding jeans, which seems to be a thing now again. Yes, those are a hot seller. The, the it, it, They went out of fashion. In the 90s, when we had our tech shop, they were in. Riding jeans were in, and then they went out. And now they're back. They, they've come roaring back now. <laughs> that, that's a hard one to keep in stock. And you have black and blue, I see, both yes. there. Yeah. 
Um, so what else? What's your, what are your hot sellers? What are the things you sell the most of at PS of Sweden? Hot sellers. One of the big ones is the saddle pads. Why? Um, ab- at, they're collectibles, almost like comic books. Really? They're, there are groups, they're beautiful. There are groups that that trade, you know, and sell saddle pads. Really? And, and they they're still wrapped in the original plastic, like just like comic books. Or do or you put the cards. Hulk on them? Why are they selling like that? Part of it is the design. Part of it is. I mean, uh, they are beautiful. You can see there's there's a little. Um, there's always a little kind of inspirational phrase. Okay, so on at the, the top on the of this top one, line. it says "P.S. of Sweden." In the waves of change, we find our true direction. That's a beautiful pad. It's a white pad with uh, blue trim. And then what do you call this? The cord cording? The, the piping. Piping, yeah. yes. And the piping's beautiful, too. But you can tell it's well sewn. It has your, it has your logo in it. You know, it's really cool. And then you've got the, you know, the double stitching on the logo in the quilting there. So you know, between the, the quality, the design. Um, and the collectability. And they're, they're, co- <laughs> they're collectibles. Every year we have a, a Christmas edition of our saddle pads and those always sell out so you guys are like the briar horses of saddle pads kind of yeah (laughs) (laughs) new new and in the box that's right it's been opened you're done it's not worth half of what it is but you know on top of being collectible it it is it's a great functional pad it you know it provides great comfort for the horse and you have side the the ventilation helps to keep them and this cool is a jumper pad here this is a dressage pad. dressage pad and you have a jumper in, and uh this black one here uh is a is a jumper pad got it i mean they are pretty it's, it's a really unique style so it's it's got that scandinavian simplicity but there's elegance in the simplicity without being you know overly flashy and i could tell that as soon as i walked past the booth i went yep that's a european company you can tell you can I mean, you can yeah. tell just yep. by the the look of it where can people find the products uh they can find it um at a number of retailers in the u.s including dover smart pack um you know, and then what's local, your website uh, psofsweden.com very good thanks all right thank you Hanging out here with the mad scientist who developed daily dose equine horse feed formulas, Janet Geyer. And you might wonder, whenever I get my horse feed delivered to my door in Maryland or Texas or California or Missouri, am I getting the same horse feed? And the answer is? The answer is that it is always the same formula, always the same horse feed. We don't change ingredients. Uh, We are a fixed formula feed mill. Well, before we get to weird news, we wanted to continue our recipes because I know that the authors have been enjoying them and they, they post pictures of actually cooking the stuff. And several posted pictures of cooking your lasagna that you did a while back. You can go search lasagna at horsesinthemorning.com and you'll find Jamie's recipe. One of the best lasagnas I've ever had. And I'm not just saying that because she's on here. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a recipe for you today that I tried. I saw this someplace. Uh, I think it was Instagram, maybe. And I thought, well, I'm going to give this a try. So uh, it's called Stuffed Italian Sausages. Now, do they make sausage that's vegetarian? I'm sure that there's some sort of impossible sausage yeah, or sure. and beyond sausage or something like that. I wouldn't know, and even though I do like the Beyond Meat more than the impossible meat. Uh, but I do like that, but I hate 
sausage. Okay. Well, then this like recipe any sort is of like sausage flavored fake meat, any of that. <laughs> like, no, I don't know what the. There must be an olive in it or something that just, yeah, that's what happens. So anyway, sorry, no. All right. So this is, I use stuffed Italian sausage. You could use hot sausage. You could use any kind of sausage you want, basically, as long as it's shaped like a sausage. So uh, you're going to need marinara sauce, just basic marinara sauce, canned, whatever kind you like, cream cheese, sausages, Parmesan cheese, Italian seasoning, and breadcrumbs. So that's it. Six ingredients, you can make this. It's so easy to do. Preheat your oven to 400 degrees and then slice your sausages lengthwise, not the whole way through. You don't want to cut them in half, but slice them so they're open like a little boat and kind of flatten them out. And uh, what you're going to do in a mixing bowl is combine the softened cream cheese, Parmesan cheese, and Italian seasoning. And you're going to take that goop and you're going to put it in the sausages, in the little sausage boats. And then on top, you're going to put breadcrumbs. I use gluten-free breadcrumbs. You could use Italian breadcrumbs, any breadcrumb you want. Just sprinkle it over the top of these little sausage boats. Pour marinara sauce. Take your marinara spaghetti sauce or whatever you want and pour it into the bottom of the baking dish so that the bottom of the baking dish is just covered in sauce. Actually, we found more is better because you're going you're gonna to want it later. And then you take your little sausages and just set them in the marinara sauce. And throw it in the oven at 400 degrees and bake it for 25 to 30 minutes and you eat them actually with your you can eat them with your hands so they'd be good super bowl food too they're so good oh my god they were good but then we're combining cheese with anything it's good so uh except sausage <laughs> <laughs> but i love cream cheese and anything so cream cheese is one of my favorite foods so this is a really good recipe it's really easy to make and it was Sounds fantastic good. so uh if you want it uh check it out i'm going to put it in the show notes so right there in your podcast player you can find it and i'll also post it in the auditor room so you too can make your own stuffed italian sausages well, there you go. There's my recipe of the week. Cool. Love it. All right. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Well, 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 it turns out weird stuff still keeps happening. If you're ever looking through the news and you're like, oh, my God, that is a weird story. That's what I want. Email it to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line and send it on over just like JoLynn, Stephanie, Allie, Aaron, Laureen, Sarah, S-A-R-A, Nikki, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, and Delia did. They all sent weird news stories. Now, some, I, you know what? I don't tell you who sent what because it's none of your business where they get their news. But some of y'all are weird. I don't know where you're looking. <laughs> oh, my God. I worry. I'm worried sick about some of you. All right. But this is what I found because I think that this is fantastic. <clears throat> the San Antonio Zoo is offering a Valentine's Day greeting for you, Glenn. For you or... Your loved ones or your not-so-loved ones. Every year they do this, and I just had to mention it. It's called the annual Crimea Cockroach Fundraiser. They're, quote, supporting the zoo's vision of securing a future for wildlife in Texas and around the world. So, for $10, they will take a cockroach, name it after an ex of yours that you specify... (laughs) And then feed it to an animal. (laughs) 
So um, there's a lot of things that the the donors are going to receive a digital Valentine's Day card showing their support for the zoo. They can also opt to send their ex a digital Valentine's Day card informing them that a cockroach was named after them and fed them (laughs) to an animal. Or if you're not into cockroaches, for $5, they'll take a vegetable and feed it to an animal and your ex Well, if you're vegetarian, that makes sense, yeah. Or (laughs) if you want to buy a rat and have it fed to the person, $25. Now, there is an upgrade, okay? Okay. (laughs) So you can actually get a personalized video message to your ex showing them the cockroach, rodent, or vegetable being devoured by the animal. (laughs) That's about as mean as it gets right there. How fun is it to work (laughs) at the San Antonio Zoo? Like, what do you do? Um, I basically, like, film myself feeding rats, and we call them, like, let's go with Tommy. Uh, Just random name I picked out. It's one thing to do it, but then to actually send it to the ex. Oh, man. Now, but we all, we, now, to be honest, though, we all have that one ex that we, we would do. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what <laughs> I, I was mean, saying. I mean, I have exes that I wouldn't do this for because, you know, I'm not, but the one. You know what? I, I don't, I'm not going to waste $150, but I, I'll give you five, ten bucks to <laughs> feed a cockroach. Yeah, whatever. I mean, not that I'm harboring a lot, but whatever. I just think it. Anyway, if you are interested, <laughs> just go to the, I'm assuming, the San Antonio Zoo's website. Hey, auditors. I mean, it's for a good cause. If any of the auditors do this, I want to know and show us the video, please. I know. It's yeah, great. Get the upgrade. This one's weird. This one's weird. All right. So there's a woman who uh, she works for a school district and it's in Cook County, wherever that is. Her name is Vera Liddell. And she was the director of food services at Harvey School District 152. Well, she was in charge of ordering all the food items for all the schools. About half the year in, their budget had been exceeded by three hundred thousand dollars and the year is only half over (laughs) so you would think so what happens is um they're like well this is a problem let's um audit that so they start auditing vera liddell and all of her purchases (sighs) so there's one place that the school orders from and she would make two orders every week but the school board would pay for it. And so one would go to the school and the other one, we don't know where it would go. Do you know what she spent over a million dollars on? Mainly the main thing she purchased. Now she would purchase some things here and there. Um, she spent $1.5 million on chicken wings. <laughs> where the hell did, was she selling them out of her back of her trunk? I don't why do you need that many chicken wings? She stole more than 11,000 cases of chicken wings. What the hell do you do with 11,000 cases of chicken wings? They, here's the thing. They don't even, you can't even pass that off for the school because the school doesn't serve children food with bones. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you're gonna, there's a dumbass right there. <laughs> you know you're going to get caught. You're so oh, stupid. Minute, have, have... <laughs> <laughs> Man. 
You are one pathetic loser. At least order stuff you know the school serves. <laughs> oh, my God. So if there's right. no word on what she did with all the chicken wings? No, I'm no I want more idea. to that story. If anybody knows what she did with the chicken wing, maybe she was like selling them to restaurants and stuff. They said she would leave with the food in one of the district's cargo vans without ever bringing the items to the school buildings. When That's she all. Even she would she would use the cargo van to steal the stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and surveillance video shows her arriving at Gordon Food Services to pick up the food, sign the keypad, get signing the fact that she got the chicken wings, and then to build the school. You know, but you know, people like this always amaze me because you know, some point you're going to get caught because you're going to have to take a week off at some point. Somebody's going to do your job and find it, and if you don't think you're going to get caught, then you're really dumb. This is the reason that when I worked at financial institutions, you had to take your vacation. Because uh, that's they how they would, check up on you. That's huh? how they check up on you, because somebody else has to do your job, and that's when they catch these things. Well, and, if, and you, if, you, you need... if you refuse, then they knew there was something up. <laughs> so, I don't need a vacation. I love working so, so much. much. I just love being here. Well, anybody needs chicken wings, call Vera. All right, this one's weird because there's a res- residents of a Minnesota neighborhood said they're constantly under attack from an aggressive. What animal do you think is attacking people in Minnesota? Hmm. I would guess bear. Yeah, it's a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> the turkey first showed up at the mobile home park in Coon Rapids as part of a flock in November 2021. But all the rest left. But this one decided to stay. The children have to walk to the school bus with sticks. Okay. <laughs> it's a big problem. So what do they do? They're like, we've got to call the Department of you know, Natural Resources. And uh, the Department of Natural Resources offered them advice about keeping the turkey from finding food. And maybe it'll just go away. They're like, it's not safe. Like the children can't get to school. There's a crazy turkey. So what do they call the Department of Natural Resources again? And they're like, we have got to get this nuisance turkey relocated. And this is what Scott Nolan, the wildlife manager, said, quote, removing the bird is kind of the last resort. We don't want to do it right away in situations like this because it's not safe for anybody, including the turkey. You know, uh, what? The quote is. This turkey attacks me every single day from a lady who lives in the neighborhood. It follows me. It goes up my stairs, tries to get in my house. When I leave it, leave my car, it follow, I leave in my car, it follows my car. The children have to carry sticks and they're like, mm, we don't really want to relocate it. It's going to cause problems elsewhere, wherever we do. Let me tell you, as a vegetarian, <laughs> if there was a turkey that was harassing me, I could find seven Hundred people in the local Norman, Oklahoma area who would be more than happy to dispatch it. I mean, isn't it a turkey? Don't y'all eat turkeys? I don't know. Call me crazy. <laughs> That's funny. What did they do? So it's still out there in the wild? It's still out there. They won't come get it. I I, I, this is the week of unresolved stories. It is. <laughs> You're leaving me with so many questions here. <laughs> 
right. I wasn't going to do this story because it's weird and technical, but y'all have been sending me this story for weeks. Like 20 people have sent me this story and I keep ignoring it. And I'm going to stop ignoring it. So y'all stop sending it to me. All right. Let me tell you about a weird human. His name is Muchikama and he has a friend, uh, believe Japan. And he has taught a, not taught, he has somehow installed sophisticated motion detecting tracking software in fish tanks, enabling his fish to remotely control a Nintendo Switch console. (laughs) Again, you think it would end there. You think the weirdness would end there. However, what he also does is he live streams the fish playing the game. Okay, so the fish swim and the way that their motion uh, is in the water, it's like mirrored onto the Nintendo Switch console. Well, Mutaka Kimaru had stepped away for a break from this live streaming video games. I guess it's on YouTube or whatever. And the game crashed due to a system error and the console returned to the home screen. The fish kept on swimming and it started controlling the console remotely during the tank. During the next seven hours of this fish swimming around with the console being all screwed up, the fish managed to change the name of their owner's account, logged into the (laughs) Nintendo store Checked off the terms and conditions, downloaded a new avatar, set up a PayPal account from the Switch, and purchased over 500, I mean, 100, I, I don't know the conversion of yen to dollars, but apparently spent a lot of his money in a Nintendo Switch store. Again, this is a fish. Now, this is also being live streamed. At this point, thousands of comments are streaming in as viewers are watching the unintended takeover being live streamed on the channel. The incident went viral. Thousands of Japanese users kept sharing it going, oh my god, this fish is buying stuff. Uh, So he has now contacted Nintendo to explain what happened and has asked for a refund and Nintendo declined to comment by the way this story is on cnn (laughs) (laughs) who has time to figure out how to make your fish control the nintendo switch right and who's (laughs) watching that (laughs) well there's another good point (laughs) i i have no uh, no more to say about that (laughs) do we have one more yeah this is a crazy person this is fantastic okay so do you remember me telling you the story it was several weeks ago maybe you weren't here that the house that was used in the goonies movie was for sale and people were freaking out like oh my god the goonie the house from the goonies is for sale the whole reason for the movie the goonies is was to save the house because the they were going to make a mini mall or something anyway so this guy named bayman zakiri uh zakiri purchased the astoria house from the goonies and the results have been overwhelmingly positive the house is 126 years old he has made it clear he is thrilled to welcome fans of the movie who want to see the house this is like one of those like super um uh you know people are like really into the goonies they're like 
it's like a thing. I guess. Anyway, he's a Kansas City entrepreneur. He bought the home on the Oregon coast in December for $1.65 million. He said he's a huge fan of the movie. He's seen it more than 100 times. Buying the house was a dream come true. Somebody had to buy it and preserve it so that the Goonies can continue to come visit. Well, there is one neighbor who is not very happy about any Goonies coming to see the house. Okay. So I'm going to describe this person's house. It is a, you can barely see the house. It was like a keyhole through stacked sticks and trees all around the house. So you can barely see the house because clearly she's not happy about this. And you could deduce that by the giant sign across the front of her house that says Goonies, not welcome. <laughs> so she is not okay with all you people coming to see it. Well, that's to the left of the Goonies house. To the right of the Goonies house, there's a sign on their house that says, Hey, you guys, Goonies welcome. Okay. But then you move back to the left and you've got the lady who says, Goonies not welcome. Well, if you look to the left of her house, there's a person with a giant sign on their house that says it has an arrow pointing to her house. And it says, ignore Karen. So it's like an entire neighborhood of people who are fighting with each other over a Goonies house. And do you realize the Goonies came out in 1985? It's almost 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 really there's like a the cult following. I'm not sure um, the Goonies would hold up after watching that again. I'm not sure it would hold up. I, Lucas watched it. We're yeah? like, hey, you guys, you know, in 2015, the 30th anniversary of the film brought 1,500 visitors a day. Oh my god! I never even knew it was that popular to begin with. The the home's previous owner covered their house in tarps and posted no trespassing signs. <laughs> And then she just sold it. <laughs> She's like, I'm out. I can't take it. Wow. But yeah. Where'd you say this was again? This is in Oregon on the coast. Wow. Hmm. That's where, you know, the ship was. Yeah. I mean, you know. There you go. Sloss was kept I in a... kind of don't even remember what happened. It was 40 years ago. <laughs> well, if you recall... No, that's that okay. I really the, don't They were going to lose their house, that's and right. they had to right. try, Jared, try to go find a treasure. Out. And Seriously. so they went to find the treasure, and so, it was the treasure uh, of One-Eyed Willie, the pirate. And, and so uh, what happened the after the pirate show, is they like, go through all of the stuff trying to like, adventure, with, but they're getting chased we, we by Mama Fratelli. We continued our conversation with Angela, and had a very interesting conversation about her farmstead husband. Do they find, or do they not find? I feel like I'm not going to have a spoiler alert. Because, obviously... I knew Jared would shut her up. <laughs> right there in that summer dress, wildflowers in her hair. Anywhere on that Palomino mare She's got Rocky Mountain ivory That she wears around her neck 
And the Grateful Dead play a song In her head Somewhere between Cowboy and hippie She's all about peace Love 